Father, we come before your throne of grace, O Lord. We thank you and we praise you. We thank you for your presence here with us, O Lord, this evening time. We thank you, Lord, because your word says where two or three are gathered in my name, you are in our midst. And Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, because you are in our midst. We thank you, Lord Jesus, because you have sent your Holy Spirit to, to minister to us and to teach us this evening time. Thank you, Father, because of your extreme great love towards us that you have called us and chosen us for such a time as this. Oh, Father, we are known, called after your name, and we are your family, and your great love has no bounds and no limits. And we thank you that you have gathered us under your wings today to hear your word, O oh Lord. Father, let your spirit flow freely where it may and lead us into all truths as your word has promised us. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. It's such a powerful time. Thank you for coming today. Uh, 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 I know we, we had a couple of uh, life teams that we did not have here, but we definitely enjoyed fellowship with uh, many of y'all individually as families. And I had gone uh, to India. My dad passed away during this time. And, but we had a powerful time of ministry in India and also to minister to families, minister to individual people. And amazing things, we saw the goodness of the Lord in all of this. You know, we saw how God ordained our steps and even when, I, when I, I was able to go to India just to be with my dad and to minister with him, I could see the hand of God in everything. And, uh, uh, and during, during that time, uh, when I was there, uh, I was able to minister with some be believers uh, where I went there. And God opened, opened the word very powerfully to, to, to the church there. And one of the points, there were, there were about four points one was you have arrived. You are already now arrived in Mount Zion. You are not going to arrive. You have already arrived. You know, a lot of the time we think that we are in a, we are in this <laughs> eternal train that never has any destination. All the good things are only after you get off, but you never get off. You know, so you are like your destination never comes. But the Lord Jesus, the Paul says in Hebrews chapter twelve, you have arrived on Mount Zion, right? And that was something that the Lord showed. The second thing was, not only this, and I will share the message today. And then the third point was, do not drink this cup. Do not drink this cup. The cup that Jesus drank, you don't drink it. That cup is already drunk, it is finished. There is no extra price to be paid. It's in Isaiah chapter 52. And finally, the word was, it is time. And I shared the word of Mahershal al-Hashbash, which was the message that we shared last time on our Life Team message. And I believe that I've seen manifestations of speed the spoil, hasten the plunder, coming to pass in individual families. Amen? How many of you are experiencing Mahershal al-Hashbash this year? There is a restoration happening speedily. Not like in the future, sometime, you know, it's going to happen quickly because the child is born. It has nothing to do with you. The child is born. The Lord Jesus is here in our midst. Amen? So the third point is the message that the Holy Spirit wants me to share as a full message today. And the, the title of the message is, not only this, 
the older shall serve the younger. The older shall serve the younger. I've shared, we have, we have ministered to each other with this word privately, and many of you have heard this, but, but this is too, too much of a powerful word to not study it fully. What does the Lord, Jesus, what, what does the Lord want you to know? There's a second promise that's a promise that the church has not been preached at tomb and understood like the first promise. Everybody knows the first promise, and, but nobody knows the second promise that has been given to the church. And the second promise is, the older shall serve the younger. And I want you to get this revelation of the truth so powerfully today. You will see Jesus as this divine servant Who's, who is living forever to serve you. I know you don't hear that. And, and today you'll be like, what kind of doctrine is this? You know? But I would say just hold your horses. And I'll, it's all scripture, 15 pages of it. <laughs> don't worry, I won't cover all that. Milo is like, one and a half hour. That's all you can preach, okay? <laughs> so he's like very strict. I don't care how big your revelation is, one and a half hour. <laughs> so if you pray, we will close this in one and a half hour. <laughs> because Mahir Shalal Hasbaz, the message was only three pages. I know not even covered all the balance, but, but God's good, you know. But okay, let's go to Romans chapter 9. One of my favorite chapters in the, book of, uh, in the Bible. It's Romans chapter 9 and Romans chapter 10. It's almost the Magna Carta of, the, of our faith. Hallelujah. Let's go to Romans chapter 9. And I'm going to read from verse 1 onwards. And I... And I want you to really look at the word today, okay? I want, really want you to, because it's something, where I'll tell you why it's so important today. Today is a day of benefits. You need to know your benefits. Like when, when, you, get a, get, when you get hired at a place, the session with the HR, with your benefits, is the most important session that you pay attention to. What are your benefits, right? So you, you don't get bored during that time, right? That, that session, you, you're taking notes, right? So this, this is the day of session benefits. So this is your HR <laughs> instructor telling you your benefits today, okay? So let's read Romans chapter 9. I tell the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. Oh, wow. Paul doesn't have to say that. This is like the Holy Spirit telling I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying. Hey, that's the, that's the same thing. I'm not... I'm not I'm telling you the truth. But he's saying, no, I want to make it sure. There is no deception in what I'm about to tell you. I'm not faking it. I'm not flattering you. I'm telling you the truth. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. Oh, wow. He's not going there. He says, that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart, for I wish I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh. He said, now this is powerful, man. This is love. Who, who would ever say this? He's saying, I am telling you the truth. I would rather go to hell if God will save all of you. Will you say that? But Paul was like, I have great love for my Jewish brethren that I would rather be cursed. I'd rather, the, but God was not willing to take that trade. Say, God not going to take the tray. That only happens in Hindi movies and English movies, you know? <laughs> Let me die, you don't. No, it doesn't happen. 
That kind of love is supernatural. It's divine. And Paul is saying, I wish I would go, I'd be accursed from Christ and my countrymen be saved. But Jesus, God would not take that deal. For I wish I myself were accursed from Christ and my countrymen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain, who are Israelites. Now th- listen to this. This is huge. Talking about benefits, say benefits. 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 Who are Israelites? That means they are Israelites. Because remember, Israel was the only nation in all of heaven, all of the earth, that God selected to give them benefits. And what are the benefits? Start counting, okay? Number one. To whom pertain the adoption? Say the adoption. adoption. That means called sonship. They were the only ones who God would adopt them as sons. Okay? Sonship, number one. Second, the glory. They receive the glory of God. Third, the covenants. They received the covenants that God made with them. God promised them stuff. The giving of the law. God gave them the law. Because the law had what? Blessings. Blessings. <laughs> so they, they, the law also had curses. But the law was primarily given for the blessings. Because if they kept the law, they will be supernaturally blessed in all the land, in all of all the earth. Supernaturally. Look at the blessings of the keeping of the law is incredible. So, the service of God, that means they were the only ones who were qualified to serve God. Can you believe you are the only ones who could access the temple? They were the only ones who could worship God. They were the only chosen guy who had a relationship with God. And finally, the promises. And they were the only ones who had promises, special promises that was only given to them. Agreed? Okay. So, I'm going to run through it. So, the, how many benefits? Let's count. Adoption, glory, covenants, law, service, and promises. Six benefits. Why? Because they were Israelites. So you have these six benefits. You have all these six benefits, okay? Of whom are the fathers, of whom also according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all. The eternally blessed God, amen. But it is not that the word of God had no effect. So he's saying, but I know they got all these benefits, but I'm not seeing any manifestation of those benefits in them. They are struggling, they are, they are sick, they are depressed, they are sad, they are living a totally depressed life. That means, so now the question is, is the God's word not working or is there a different problem? What is the issue there? So Paul is immediately clarifying, I agree, they have all these benefits. So it's very similar to what believers and the church have. They have benefits, but it's almost like these benefits don't seem to work in their life. So then the question is, do you think the word of God is not having an effect in you? Right? Very interesting. For they are not Israel who are of Israel. Now Paul makes this huge statement, and this is, you need to know this. Everybody who is of Israel is not Israel. I am not saying this. This will make Paul an anti-Semite today, right? If he ever says that word right now, the same word out of the scripture today, if anybody writes it, they're like, you're an anti-Semite, you're against the Jewish nation. Paul, the Jew, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. 
born of the of the tribe of benjamin right taught under the greatest teacher at that time gamaliel during the time of jesus when jesus was ministering in jerusalem paul was under gamaliel wow at the best time when the temple was all his glory he saying all of israel is not israel for nor are all they all children because they are of the seed of abraham just because you are of the lineage of abraham you are not the seed of abraham why because if you are the seed of abraham you are blessed remember their children his children were trying to fight for blessings that's because they wanted to only, only the one who was of the seed of abraham was blessed wow she said then they, you you are not if you are a part of israel you are, you cannot be called israelite you are if you are just born into the tribe still you are not the seed of abram then who qualifies very interesting look at it but in isaac your seed shall be called that is now underline that those who are the children of the flesh these are not the children of god but the children of promise are counted as seed that means if you are born, if you were born as a result of god's promise you are what israelites or you are the seed of abraham so you should have, you should have been born as a result of god's promise so which of the children of abraham was born according to promise isaac not ishmael you got it so how 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 do you qualify how you are born of god how which promise so you had to be born of god through a promise yes or no which promise let's read it <laughs> the answer is in the next line okay so many times like when you when you when you when when the holy spirit ask you a question just keep reading <laughs> so let's just look at this look at the next verse verse 9 for this is the word of promise what is what is the word of promise at this time at this time i will come and sarah will have a son so what is the promise i will come i will come and sarah will have a son so what is the promise i will come so when did he come jesus see because it's a prophecy not just about sarah and her child it's a prophecy about a heavenly sarah who is this heavenly sarah mount zion see mount zion is a heavenly woman who never had any children she was barren she was heaven mind but she had no children who was the first born jesus how was he born through a promise where god said today i have begotten you and So Mount Zion had the first male child that was Jesus was resurrected and that was his birth that was Jesus birth i thought Jesus was born in bethlehem negative that was according to the flesh but according to when was he born of god come on we we studied this in the um, life team message called born of god 
that, that's a powerful message to understand the whole, your concept of new creation. You need to get this. You are born of God. You had two births. Your first birth from, was from your earthly mother. Your second birth was from God. But when did your heavenly birth happen? When Jesus was raised from the dead. That was his birth. Say, Jesus was born again. Say, Jesus was born again. <laughs> so you were born again because Jesus was born again. But Jesus was never born in the first place. He pre-existed. But what happened is he pre-existed and died. So now he had to be born again. And this time he was born not through bl flesh, blood and water. He was born straight from God himself. Now his, who was his mother? Martha. Correct. See, now his mother was not Mary. His mother was Mount Zion, who was the picture of Sarah. You got it? So Sarah had the first male child, but Sarah never had any children until Jesus came along. Correct? But the moment Jesus was born, who else was born? All of us. How many of you? How many of you? Innumerable. Cannot count. So finally, the prophecy came, the woman who was barren bore more child than the woman who was married. Hallelujah. And where do you find that promise? Come on. Isaiah chapter 50. How can it be before his death? It has to be after his death, right? So it will be 54. See what happened in 53? In Isaiah chapter 53, Jesus died. And how does Isaiah chapter 54 open? Sing, O barren. Who is he talking to? Mount Zion? And what is he saying? Sing. Why? Read it. Can somebody read that loud? Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You, have, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman. Correct. This is powerful. This, see, <laughs> this is powerful. See, you, you, you never. So if somebody tells you, show us your mother's pictures, you go to. If somebody tells you, show me your mother, mother's picture, where do you go to? Huh? No, you go to Isaiah 54. <laughs> see, you, 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 you're still stuck in the flesh. You see, you, you see where, where's your mama? Where's your mama? Your mama is in Isaiah 54. Where is the mama? See, look at it. You need to know where your mama is. Your mama is here. In Isaiah 54, this is the mama that never had any children. But suddenly she has more children than the one who was married. Wow. So did they, she get her children because of promise or because she worked? Promise. So now do you qualify or do you not qualify? You qualify for what? For the benefits? I love that. JR is like, benefits, buddy, benefits. I've been retiring many years, and I'm accumulating. JR is like this powerful guy. He retires from one, gets their benefits. Then he joins another company, organization, retires from them. 
and get their benefits. If you want to learn from benefits, you need to learn from <laughs> So for JR, it never stops at six. Man, I'm counting. <laughs> So, so, so this is what he says. So more are the children, more are the children of Mount Zion, of Sarah, right? So, so you were born according to the first promise. Say yes or no. Yes. yes. Where's your mama? I love it. <laughs> See, some, some people are like, man, my mama will <laughs> beat me up. <laughs> they have no problems with daddy, but mama, no. <laughs> You don't want to play games with mama, okay? See, what you do is you put Isaiah 54 behind her picture. That's how you do it. <laughs> so you can always point to a picture and say, there is mama. <laughs> but only you know. <laughs> you say, that's my mama's mama too. Uh, mama, yeah, that's my mama's mama too, you know? That's how it is. That's where she, her, she's also born of. Amazing. So we'll go back to Isaiah, uh, Romans chapter 9. See, Romans chapter 9, Paul knew this. See, this is the Holy Spirit revealing the church, the mystery of church and the mystery of Christ to Paul, right? And this is it. Okay, let's go there again. Uh, Romans chapter 9. And, the, and this is the word of the promise. I underline that. This is the word of promise. Now, there's no confusion about the word of promise. Which promise? He says, at that time, I will come and Sarah will have a son. You know, when this promise was given, Sarah did not have a son. This was the time when three men shows up at Abraham's door. You, this is such a powerful story. Go, you, go back and read it. I'm not going to explain that. It's so powerful. It's all a picture of the, the, divin, uh, the tri, triune God shows up. It's not get God with two angels. No! It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit shows up at the door. And then everything is there. She, everything about Abraham at that point is, hurry, let's make haste, let's go quickly. Everything, it's like he's rushing because he knows this is God. Godhead has shown up at his door. That's when he gets this promise. Because he, uh, he, he has this conversation with Abraham and suddenly he says, where is Sarah? And Abraham says, Sarah is... Here, in the tent, see? God wants to know, is Sarah in the same location where Abraham is? See, your fruitfulness in this new covenant is dependent not on what you do, but where you are. Location is what matters. He didn't say, Did Sarah, was Sarah a good girl today? No. Question is, is, where is Sarah? Is Sarah here in the tent with you? Said she's in the tent. And then she said, I will, behold, I will come at the appointed time and Sarah will have a child. See, he never said Sarah is going to have a child then because he's not talking about Sarah itself. He's talking about one day among the Godhead, one of us will come down and become a man and pay the ultimate price. And then Sarah will have a child. Hallelujah. 
And finally, that person came. Of all the Godhead, one stepped down and said, I will come. The second time, he is also going to come. But the first time, he came. The one who came the first time will come again the second time. Okay, at that time, Sarah will come and I will come and Sarah shall have a child. Now, let's read verse 10. So you got the first promise. Say the first promise. The first promise is, at that time I will come and Sarah will have a child. Say, thank you Jesus for that promise and now I am born. Amen? So now I am born because I am born because of a promise. Correct? Then Paul says what? Verse 10. Verse uh, 11. Verse 10. Correct. Can somebody read that loud? George, can you read that loud? Not only this, but when Rebecca had conceived by one man, even by her father Isaac, for the children not yet being born. Okay, read verse 10. And not only this. Stop. Keep, read it again. And not only this. Stop. Read it again. And not only this. Okay, so what he's saying is, this was, so everybody's focused on this big promise. What is a big promise? Sarah will have a child because that's where you're going to be born again. That's where your destiny is. That's where your inheritance is. Because if you are not born again, everything else is useless, correct? So most of our preaching, most of our understanding is stuck and it's finished at the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Yes or no? Like, thank you, Jesus. You paid the price. You rose from the dead. I am born again. Hallelujah. What does Paul say? Repeat. 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 So what is he saying? Not only this. Man, don't just stick, don't just live off that one promise. There's more. <laughs> There's more. What is the more? Look at what he says. Not only this, but when Rebecca now is, he introduces a new woman. Because there were two women who got a promise. Everybody knows the first woman. Sarah will have a child. But do you know that Rebecca had a promise? Wow. Well, what is the promise to Rebecca? And look, at, look at how powerful this promise is. This promise is so powerful that this is one of the reasons why one of the biggest benefits that the church has to walk in victory is missing because the church doesn't know. What does the church doesn't know? Read this. Not only this, Paul says, not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, that means even Rebekah, you know Rebekah also had a problem with her not having children? How many of you know that? She would not have children. Why? Because that's a picture again of Mount Zion. But she only conceived by once Isaac. He, she was married to Isaac. Because again a picture. Once we were united with Christ Jesus is when we became fruitful. Hallelujah. So again it's a picture of a woman who is barren until somebody comes on the scene. And that somebody is an Isaac. That's why it's called children of Isaac. You got it? So you got the two women, two promises. Say two women, two promises. Now say mamas. <laughs> so now you need to know all your mama promises today, okay? The second promise is as powerful as the first. And what is the second promise? 
Rebecca also had conceived by one man, even by her father Isaac, four. Now this is huge. Say huge. As so Trump will say, this is huge. I don't, I don't know how can mimic, mimic him. But it's, this is huge. Why? Because he says, for the children not yet born. Say not yet born. Not having done any good and evil. Not having done what? Wow! This promise applies to who? To everybody. That means if you are not born and you have not done any good and evil, how do you qualify? So it's, it's intentional because he says you cannot get this promise based on your works. And what is the promise? Not having done any good or evil, so that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. That means he says, this is going to come to you not because you work for it. You're going to get this because of the, because of the one who called. Read it. It was said to her, get ready for the promise. Are you ready? You know the promise because we already told in the title. So what is the promise? The elder shall serve the younger. Uh, but this is talking about uh, Esau being so evil and just serving Jacob. No. Why, why would it be here if it is about Esau? Why is he saying you should also not forget this promise if this promise was only for Jacob and Esau? Who is the older? Who is the younger? Who is the youngest? Correct. Did you notice there is no order of birth in the church? When were we all born? Same time. Who was born first? Jesus. Who was born second? Us. In the us, who was born before others? None. None. Very interesting. Because it's exactly a picture of how, who was born. No. Esau and Jacob. Let's go and read it. Let's go to Genesis chapter 25. So, when her days were fulfilled, now he's talking about uh, uh, 24. When her days were fulfilled, Rebecca's days were fulfilled, for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red. Say, first came out red. Why, why does the first come out red? <laughs> Hallelujah. The first came out blood. He's the one who paid the price. He's the one who is pleasing to the Father. His sacrifice was the most accepted. It was his works. It was his finished work. It was his game. It was his deeds. It was his works. He comes out what? Red. And he was hairy garment all over, so they called him Esau. Afterward, his brother came out. That means they both came out just one after the other. So they were twins? Yes. yes. But there, was there an order in these twins? There were order in these twins. Who came out first? Esau. So in, in the new birth, was there an order in how Mount Zion gave birth? Yes. They, she gave birth to twins. But who came out first? 
the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why when Jesus was born, suddenly a multitude of the church was born. And the first fruits of them was offered by Jesus to the Father as first fruits. And where did they show up? Do you remember? They showed up as, after his resurrection, as um, resurrected people from old, they went out all of Jerusalem. Because they were all born. When Jesus was born again, they were all resurrected also. But just a select was offered as first fruits to God. That was the picture. So when we talk about 144,000, it's not like 144,000 select Israelites who God is going to protect in the end time. No, they are already gone and out of here and now seated in the Father's throne. And you should see them in Revelation. They are before the Father's throne, blameless, spotless, without fault, because they are a, they are a type of, if they are a first fruit, the first fruit looks like how? The rest of, the rest of us. So when you look at them, you will say what? Same, same. <laughs> I remember in Middle East, and I shared this, you know, in Middle East, <laughs> you know, the Arabics, you know, they don't know a lot of English. So if you tell them what, what I, I used to work in a luxury car dealership. I, uh, the, whole, the, the distributor for the country was Lexus, and I used to work in Lexus. So some of these rich Arabs used to come around, you know. So, you know, we had this, all these model numbers and features and anti-braking systems and automatic cruise control and, and uh, we would show them all these top, because they're the only ones who can afford this. <laughs> None of the Indians can afford any of this. They're like, they can barely get a used Corolla at that time, you know. But these rich Arabs, you know, they, they got so much money, they just come and they're, they're full of perfume and they have these beautiful ladies behind the burqa and, you know, so. But the burqa, is the burqa is just transparent enough to show all their makeup, you know? <laughs> so so it's, it's very funny. But, so they would walk around and they would come into the showroom and they always go to the, the highest price cars. And then, so uh, we'd say, what do you want? He said, same, 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 same. You know? it's like, Whatever my friend has, I want the same, you know? It's like, forget the catalog, forget the features, forget all that. Same, same. That's what it came from. Same, same, you know. So when you see your first fruits in heaven, you know, same, same is sitting here, you know. You are crowned. You are faultless. You are blameless before the Father's throne. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is, there is Jacob. In Jacob is the picture of the church. Because that guy was a deceiver. That guy messed up. But yet, guess what? Who got the blessing? Who received whose blessing? Jacob received the firstborn's blessing. Isn't what the church enjoys? Hallelujah. See, the picture of Jacob and Esau is not a picture of a bad, evil, older brother. Hey, see, every flawed character in the Bible has a fulfillment in Jesus. That's weird, you know? Because God has to use human frail pictures to portray the incredible wisdom of the Father and the love of the Son. And he would use parts of it. By the way, oh, you want to know how much uh, uh, powerful he is? Look at him, but only for this part of his life. You know? <laughs> and if you want this, you'll say, look at this guy, only for this part of the, this guy. So he had all these examples and every character, every character, oh my goodness, if I ever write a book, <laughs> you know, it will be about Jesus in all the stories in the Bible. Oh my goodness, the characters of the Bible. Esau is a p perfect picture of the the Lord Jesus Christ here. Not a perfect picture, but I'm saying it's a part of the glimpse of the picture. There you go. And look at what he says. 
Afterward, his brother came out and his hand, whose hand? Jacob's hand took hold of Esau's heel. What, what is that a beautiful picture of? How did he get born again? He came out because of the strength of the heel of his older brother. Because his older brother's heel is what crushed the enemy. And he came out holding that, his finished work. So Jacob came out holding the finished work of Esau. Hallelujah. We all came out holding the finished work of Jesus. Jesus, you do the work. We'll just grab on. Hang on, buddy. Here we come. You know, all billions of us holding on to the feet of Jesus. His finished work. So his name was called Jacob, called Surplanter. We definitely surplanted. We, 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 in a good way. We didn't take over his throne, but we took his, took his victory and ran with it. Isaac was 60, old, 60 years old when she bore them. And the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. See, Jesus was skillful. But Esau is also a picture of the king, kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. The kingdom of darkness always hunts. That's where the arrows come from. That's where anybody who lives according to the flesh always throws arrows at the children of light. Correct? That's where your arrows. That's why it's having the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. Guess what? Satan's primary occupation is hunting. He's a hunter. He's a hunter. His arrows, his arrows are water against you. But here is also a picture of his skill. Jesus was the skillful one. He was the one who finished the work. He was the one who did the work. His hands were the one who accomplished all the things. And this is what he says. And uh, verse 28. And he, Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. See? The father loved Esau because Esau ate of his game. That means he, his work, his hands got him the work. That's why he was proud of him. That's why his sacrifice was, that's why when, when the blessing was given to Jacob, how did he bless Jacob? He thought Jacob was Esau. He said, I smell Esau. I can feel his hands. I can, I can, I can eat of his, what he has accomplished. But you sound like Jacob. But that's how we are. We come in Jesus' name. We come smelling like Jesus. We come bringing his finished work. And who blesses us? The Father. But that Father blessed him with his eyes closed because he could not see. Our Father blesses us with his eyes open. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But this is the promise that was given to Rebekah. He said before, he, they, she knew whether Jacob was the smart guy or Esau was the smart guy, there was a promise that was given. And the promise was very simple. The older shall serve the younger. Done. Done deal. That means if this promise is powerful, it's, this is beneficial to who? Esau or Jacob? Why? Benefits. You need to know that who is who has been ordained forever to serve you? The older one. So are you the older one? Are you? In the, in the second order, is anybody older than the other? 
No. Means what? We all stand together. None of us in the church is older to anybody else. Correct? So nobody can serve each other. Correct? Technically. You cannot depend on their service. Correct? Right? You cannot depend on their service. Who will serve? The older. The older will serve. Now this is powerful. And I want you to get this revelation. God has ordained the Lord Jesus Christ in the church as the one who serves. You need to get this. And if you don't get this, you'll say, no, no, this is blasphemy. This is like, this is not, this is not what I've been taught. I'm sorry. Do you want to, do you want to receive the benefits of this great benefit? Do you think that you can serve the Lord Jesus Christ as much in the way that Jesus can serve us? No, you cannot. Which takes more humility, to serve or to receive service? To receive service. Because when you receive service, you, you're acknowledging what? A need. That I cannot, I'm not capable of. Let's look at this. Okay, let's go to this one. I, I want you to go to Hebrews chapter... Oh, sorry. Uh, Exodus chapter 21. This is... This is very unique. You know, just after the Ten Commandments was given by Moses to the people, God gave uh, Israel a picture of a Hebrew servant. I want you to go to uh, Exodus chapter... Exodus chapter 21. Got that? Okay. Exodus chapter 21. Exodus chapter 21. And, and I'll read. Now these are the judgments which you shall set before them. If you have a Hebrew servant, he shall serve you and he shall serve six years. And in the seventh he shall go out and go out free and pay nothing. If he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master has given him a wife and she has borne him, him some daughters, the wife and the children, sons and daughters, if the wife and the children shall be their masters and he shall go out by himself. But in the, if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife and my children and I will go, not go out free, then his master shall bring him to the judges he shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost and the master shall pierce his ear with an avil and he shall serve him forever. This is a very interesting thing. Just after God gives them the Ten Commandments, God gives them a picture of a Hebrew servant. Who is this Hebrew servant? He says if a Hebrew servant serves you for six years, in the seventh year he can go free. But if he came and married, he can go out with his wife. But if his master has given him a wife, and then he and that wife has borne him children, sons and daughters, then he shall go out himself, but he cannot take his sons and daughters and wife. Are you seeing where it is going? But if he says, I love my master, I love my master, but if he says, let's read it again. And if the master plainly says, I love my master, my wife, 
and my children, I will not go out free. Then what will the master do? The master will take him to the judges and take him to the door and take him to the doorpost and he will pierce his ear with a aval. And he will be what forever? A servant forever. Hallelujah. Yes, Exodus 21. <laughs> okay, let's, let's read. Let's read. So, who is he talking about? He's talking about the Lord Jesus. So, the Lord Jesus came down to earth. He came as a bond servant. He came as a slave, correct? He emptied himself, came down as a slave, Philippians chapter 2, right? He came down as a slave, and then... His master gave him a wife. Who was the wife? The church. Sorry, Mount Zion or church or Mount Zion. Yeah, the church. The church. He gave him a wife. They had sons and daughters, correct? And now he served them six years. On the seventh, he's now ready to go free. Now Jesus has paid the price. Yes or no? Or he, he has finished the work. He did the righteousness. Now he can go free. And the, Lord, the father asked Jesus, okay, you can be resurrected, you can go free. What do you want to do? He says, but if you go free, you cannot take the church with you. You cannot, you, you are on your, on your own. He says, no, I love you, and I love my church, and I love my children. So the father said, guess what? Then you need to be pierced. And this will be the sign for everyone, that this one. So when they saw a slave with ears pierced, what did that mean? This is a servant for ever. ever. And he's going to serve who forever? His master and his family and his children. For how long? Forever. And is he serving because of an obligation or because he chose to? Because he chose to. He's a servant forever. Let, let's, go to, let's go to John chapter 20. Now, this is Jesus after resurrection. And on the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, just the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, when the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Why? He said, look at my hands and my sides. They are pierced. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord because now they know that this, this man is not going to leave them forever. Though he had a perfect choice. See, he was resurrected. He was perfect. He could be free. He doesn't have to come back again. But he, did he come back? And did he show his pure side and his hands? He did. Because he said, I will be a servant forever. He will serve you forever. And look, look at what he says. And Jesus said, peace be to you. As the Father has sent me, I send you. I want you to read in Psalms chapter 40, verse 6. Psalms chapter 40, verse 6. He, this is Jesus speaking in Psalms as a prophecy. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened or pierced. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. But I said, behold, I've come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. So God, the Lord Jesus is, is being prophesied that he said, I've come and you have prepared a body for me. 
my years, your peers. That means Jesus forever has the signs of piercings in his body as a sign that he's a slave, a, ma a servant for you forever. Okay? I want you to get this picture. Okay, let's go to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. You, do you know the four gospels are the picture of the four living faces of God? And where do we read that? Can anybody tell where do you see the living pictures, the living creatures of God? Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 1 and Revelation, right? So in both the pictures, you see these four living creatures. Let's go to Ezekiel. I want you to go quickly to Ezekiel. I want to get a picture. What, is in, what about the Godhead portrays that of a servant? Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 1. And I'm going to read verses 1 onwards. I'm going to read it very fast so you get a good picture of it. Now it came to pass in the 13th year... Th uh, 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives of the river Chebur, that the heavens were opened, I saw the visions of God. Say, Ezekiel saw God. Ezekiel saw, God. saw visions of God. This is the first verse in Ezekiel, right? So he saw God. Let's, let's see how God looks like. How many of you want to see God? Right. Here it is. Ezekiel chapter 1. This is how God looks like. Very clear. Okay. On the fifth day of the month, when it was, okay, let he say, the word of the Lord came expressively to Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Cherub, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out from the north, a great cloud with raging, engulfing itself, and brightness that was all around it, and radiating out of its midst like the color of amber. And I'll keep reading. And this was their appearance... They had the appearance that a likeness of a man. There, there, there were four living creatures that they saw. They had the likeness of a man. So all the four living creatures look like men. That's very interesting because we were made in what? In God's image. That means God has the same likeness as a man. Do you get it? Same, same. We have the same likeness. That's why the, all the four creatures look like men. But yet, when you look closely, let's look at it. Verse 10. As for the likeness of their faces, Ezekiel is looking now more closely. He said, each had a face of a man. Each of the four had a face of a lion and on the right side. And each of the four had the face of an ox on the left side. And each of them had the face of an eagle. So, when you're facing that living creatures, who is facing you? Which face is facing you? Man. On the left side? Ox. Right side? Lion. Behind? Eagle. You got it? Or up. So you look at it as like up. He came down from heaven. So the eagle came down from heaven. Man. He came down to earth. So he's the man down here. You got it? And on the left side is the ox. And on the right side is the lion. The, lion, the tribe of Judah. So all of them are a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. You got it? He is the eagle. He was the God from above. Hallelujah. He was the son of man. 
who came down to earth. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the tireless, strong ox who is a servant for you. So which gospels match all of these? Lion. Yeah. Matthew. Matthew is portrayed as a lion of the tribe of Judah. He's a king. He dies as a king. He came of the tribe of Judah. So he's portrayed as a king, as the lion. Correct? Who was portrayed as the God who came down from heaven? John. John. The book of John. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The eagle. He became flesh. He came down. He's the eagle who came down from heaven. Correct? Then, which gospel talks of him as, as a man? Luke, there you go. Finally, Sushil. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it. That's very interesting. We'll talk about it. Very interesting. So, so Luke, book of book, Luke says always, son, never uses the word son of God. Very rarely. It says son of man, son of man, son of man, because he's showing him that he's a man. And then which book shows of him as, Bobby, which shows him as a... a Endless, walking, tireless ox as a servant. Who is the one? Which is remaining? <laughs> Mark. Mark is shown as a tireless, working servant. Hallelujah. Because, see, let me ask you a question. Is, is Ezekiel seeing God? Yes. yes. Then how does God look like a servant? So is God ashamed to look the way he looks? That's called the glory. Remember, what was one of the benefits to Israel? Let's start counting. I'm going to ask multiple choice questions, okay? Six benefits. One of the benefits was what? The glory. So is there a glory in a tireless working ox? God, a God who works tirelessly for you, Without ceasing, without taking a rest, without taking a break, and he's the most powerful ox in all of creation? Yes or no? Yes. Come on, man. I want you to get a more yes. No, because I, I'm trying to get you that. You know, you know the biggest cow in the world? Yeah. Is in uh, it's I think one of the biggest cows is they say the American bison is a pretty big cow family, I would say. There's another one in India. It's called the wild goar, right, Sushil? Natural geography? Yes. Okay. See, he just said yes. I don't know what he said. <laughs> but but there's, you should check the video. This, this is huge. This, these cows are, they're huge. And muscular, full strength. And you see some of these YouTube videos. Nobody dare go, goes next to them. They're wild. But they are huge. They are very strong, very powerful. Because he's trying to say, he can do the work. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is showing that they are working together for you as an ox to get you the stuff that you need for life. That's why he said, don't forget the second promise. Who will serve you? The older shall serve the younger. In what strength? Strength like a tireless ox. Okay, Sushil's uh, interesting point, he mentioned. Which of these Gospels have genealogy in it? Matthew. Matthew. 
why do you need a genealogy of a lion gospel? Because you have to prove that you are in the royal heritage. So that's why the genealogy of Matthew goes only up to Abraham, because he's saying the lineage of the king, where the chosen generation, the royal priesthood, right? That is the generation. So he stops at that. Once he proved that his genealogy is still uh, Abraham, I don't need to prove anything more. Am I a son of a king? Yes. Is the king a son of a pauper? Who cares? You got it? I just have to prove genealogy to the nearest king. And he proved it. Because the, the seed of Abraham was, was declared to be the ruler over the nations. Hallelujah. You got it? So the genealogy. Then, which other gospel has the genealogy? Look, why do you need the genealogy of a man? You have to prove that you are straight from the lineage of Adam and not some false angel, not some crazy God that has come and had sex or some alien being. You know, by the way, you're hearing all these alien stories right now. You know why you're hearing all these alien stories? Because as in the days of Noah. Noah. Because what happened in the days of Noah? Yeah. Fallen angels came down and mated, and had sexual relationship with women, right? And those were the giants of old. In fact, if you see the testimonies and the news reports, they, this has been going on. These fallen angels are masquerading in the last days to come and show that they have power and signs. Remember, in the last days, they will show great signs from heaven, correct? You heard that? That's deception getting ready. Now you're seeing deception across all spheres. Now you don't know what is real, what is not. We'll call it AI, correct? Because you don't know anything. Because man, God is getting ready to turn over this generation over to a lie. Right? So now you cannot, you, because you would not believe the truth, now you will believe the lie. You getting to see what's going to happen? Now they will believe aliens. And they'll say these are external civilizations. No, these are demonic spirits who have been there from the very beginning of time, of, the, of earth. In fact, if you read Ezekiel chapter 1, you read the story of the cherubs with the wheel between the wheels, it sounds like UFOs today. Yes, because these, they, these fallen spirits are mimicking the living creatures because they themselves were cherubs. Who was Lucifer? Suddenly he lost his pri private pri transportation? No. <laughs> he still has those things. You see the power? So he's like, take, him, take it out for a ride. You know? <laughs> because they have the wheels between the wheels and the sound. In fact, there was this report in Las Vegas that this um, UFO landed and they don't know whether it's true but the the report i saw the interview and this is the life and he said these two living creatures two crazy creatures came out in the backyard right when the star fell from recently just two weeks back and this is what he said this is very powerful because the news reporters won't catch it he said when i when we saw them it was sounding like an army was behind them why because ezekiel says when he saw the cherubs with the wheels next to it it sounded like an army I was reading today, I was like, man, this sounds just like that guy's testimony. Because it is the same demonic realm, correct? Because the same DNA, 
right? One is of the kingdom of darkness and one is of the kingdom of light. You don't want to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Guess what? The other kingdom is very ready with all their paraphernalia. See, you, you, now you want, because you, the world has been depending on, let's see it with our eyes before I can believe it. Okay. You want to see it with the eyes? I'll give it to you. That's what is happening. Now, what are you going to believe? You have to believe by your spirit. You have no choice. Because what are you going to believe? You, can you believe what you see right now? George, can you believe what you see with all the latest AI? There's no way. You say, no, but it is not physical, it is digital. Oh, get ready. <laughs> you see some of these humanoids that they are making? Humanoids means this artificial thing with their in, imbuing with AI in it. It's going to speak as if a human being speaks and walks. With greater intelligence than existing people. With greater uh, articulation of speech. Oh, this is very powerful. Getting distracted. But the thing is, we are at the time of the end times, right? You need to know who is on your side. Your side is the one who is not ashamed to call him your servant. And he is working tirelessly for you. If the glory of the Lord, as Ezekiel saw, has one face as the ox. I mean, if I was there, I would have censored that face, Josh. <laughs> I was like, can you just keep it? A, a lion is fine. Man is okay. Eagle, I, that's okay. But give me some jaguar or, you know, give me some, eh, something more. Why an ox? Cheetah or something. Oh, Show me some power, man. No, because he wants to show I'm not ashamed of that face. And I want you to know that's a face that I have. That's why one gospel is totally dedicated to God being a tireless servant for you. Hallelujah. And guess what? Which is the gospel that does not have a genealogy? John. John. Why? Because God doesn't have a genealogy. He is without genealogy, without father, without mother, and without endless days. Hallelujah. How do you get a genealogy for God? And then another gospel also does not have genealogy. Mark, why? Who wants the genealogy of a servant? <laughs> why do you need the genealogy of a servant? Because when you hire a servant, do you say, which family are you from? <laughs> You're not marrying into him. You just want to know what? Can he do the work? You don't need genealogy. So the gospel does not give you the genealogy in the book of Mark. You know how the book of Mark ends? Okay, I want you to go to Mark. This Mark is powerful because I want you to get a picture of Jesus, the tireless servant. Go to Mark. Look at the last verse. Can somebody read it? Correct. Keep, read, uh, read the last two verses again. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through, through the accompanying signs. This is powerful. The book of Mark ends by Jesus working. Yes. And how is he working? 
How is he working? Confirming the word. Sitting. He is working sitting. He is working sitting. He is now seated at the father's right hand, but he is working sitting. That's how, you, remember we took a whole message on do your job, sit down, right? So now your job is also working sitting, correct? But he is working even right now. So that means right now in heaven, is he a servant or is he not a servant? Because this one of his face is a face of an ox. Yes or no? Yes. Okay, how do I prove it? Let's go to Re Revelation chapter Revelation chapter 1. Let's go there quickly. Revelation Revelation chapter 1 verse 10. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book. So Jesus is telling John, he was, he was in heaven, he saw Jesus, and he's, Jesus is telling him, what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches. Got it? So he's not saying what you heard. He's saying what you saw. What are you seeing? Because he wants John, he, he, want, he wants John to see what he saw and tell the church what he saw. Okay? So what did John see? Let's read it. Verse 12. Then I turned to see. Say, I, he turned to see. So what did he see? A voice. No, no. <laughs> he, turned to, he turned to see the voice. But what did he see? He didn't see the voice. It's not like American Idol, the voice. <laughs> okay. He saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. What did he see? Servant. A servant. Why? He's Jesus in heaven with all his glory has a servant's garb. How do you know this is a sign of a, a servant? Girded. Girded is a word that only servants use. You gird yourself with a golden chest. No, no, no prove it from the Bible. Okay. Revelation chapter 15. Do you believe angels are servants? Yeah? Okay. Revelation chapter 15, verse 5. After these things I looked, behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened, and out of the temple came seven angels, having seven plagues. They're getting ready to do something. They're servants, right? Clothed in bright, pure bright linen, and having their chests girded with golden bands. Same word. Golden bands. See, because they, they, can't, they can't take the fact that Jesus and the angels will have the same attire. Why is Jesus wearing the garb of a servant? And he's telling, don't hide this from the church. Because I want the church to know that even here, up here, I am your divine servant. Hallelujah. Okay, let's read. Let's read Mark. So he said the book of Mark is a book of a servant. Let's read Mark. This is, I just read one chapter, but you need to see the power of the Lord Jesus Christ working like a tireless ox for you. I want you to get this. Because if you, brothers and sisters, get this revelation that Jesus is the one who does the work, He is the one who is in the house and is the 
service that is available and you never use him. See, what happened was when my dad, in his last days, we got a servant in our house, a full-time, full-time guy. As a young man, very strong, very muscular. My dad could not eat or walk and do all that during that time, so he, we had him. He was 24-7 in the house. He was in the house, he would take my dad to the bathroom, he would get him up, lift him up, feed him, take him, talk to him, clean him, bathe him. Oh my goodness, was that a benefit to us? Hallelujah, you don't know how difficult it is to take a man. When a man doesn't want to stand and, (laughs) oh my goodness, this is like, where does he get this power, (laughs) you know? Not because he cannot stand, because the body needs all of your will to do stuff. And else you need a very strong man to do it. And his name was Rahman. It's funny that in, in, in Hindi it means compassion. <laughs> you know, God sent us a compassion servant in his last days to take care of my dad. And I was there. So in the night, all we had to do was press a button. And this guy would come in from the outside house, come to our door, knock at the door, come and take care of my dad. I just have to press the button. I can't even hear the sound. I just press the button. It rings in his room. He will come. Two o'clock in the night, one o'clock at the night, 4 a.m. in the morning, the guy is up, ready to take care of my dad. And with full, my dad will have cough, and his cough is all congested, and his cough is coming up. He'll put his hand into his throat and take it out and clean him. Means total compassion, love. You cannot even pay for such a service. But God was showing me, honor. It's amazing. My dad passed away. Next day, he gets on another assignment to go to another place. And suddenly goes from there. It's like God just sent an angel to take care of my dad during that time. And I saw the power of a servant. And guess what happened? So guess what? We are in the house. And dad would want to, dad wants to do, turn like this immediately. Rahman! <laughs> you know? It's like, uh, we want to, we need, um, we, uh, it's too, uh, too much in the afternoon, we need some chai. Rahman! So we're like constantly, because the guy is ready to work for you. And some days, if you don't call him, he feels like, what's going on? I'm here for you. I'm fully able, fully capable. Just call on me. Oh, no, 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 I need, he, he needs some rest. He doesn't need rest. He said, I love this. I want to do this. He's cried when my dad passed away. I mean, I was like, oh man, you should be happy. You don't want to work. You can sleep well. And he cried. I, I, I could have showed him videos. And, and we prayed with him and how God anointed him, prophesied over him and all that. That's a different story. We're not even talking about ministry. But the ministry that we received from a fully well-able servant is priceless, brothers and sisters. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ is even more a bull in a china house. <laughs> and it's almost like that. He is ready to rock and roll. What do you want him to do for you? Ask him. Ask him. And he will do it for you. Now, let me ask you a question. <laughs> and this is so funny. And just in the afternoon, the Holy Spirit is saying, if, if the way people treat me in, the, in terms of their expectations from me, they would have fired me long back as a servant. <laughs> this is powerful. The Holy Spirit is saying, you would have fired God long back. 
if God, if a servant worked like God works for you, think about what he's just said. You would have fired that servant with a binking. Then why do you put up with God? Because you don't have an understanding of this God. What you are thinking that he's not doing is totally upon you. You have never called him. You have never used him. And you are saying, oh no, God is always like that. He just takes more time. Man, you would have fired a servant if you took more time. Do you think this God is less efficient than a servant? And you make all excuses for this God? God doesn't need your excuses. He just wants you to know that he is available for you and in heaven at your command. And God, Jesus said, that's great faith. In fact, the centurion treated Jesus like a servant. He said, uh, my servant is sick, come and heal him. So Jesus said, I will come. <laughs> Jesus like, Jesus is a servant. He said, I have been sent for this. I have been sent to serve you. So he goes on, he goes on. Half day, he gets a message from the centurion woman. Where are you coming? Just say the word. I have servants under me. If I tell them, do this, they will do it. Come, they will come. Go, they will go. You just say the word. Jesus said, man, he knows what servants can do. And God calls that great faith. You know, faith is knowing what servants do. And God calls that great faith. God, Jesus didn't feel insulted. He said, man, he knows how to use me. Faith is a servant. And Jesus is a tireless servant for you. And he's not ashamed to say as like, and I'm, I'm going to quote verses like this. Remember the first words in, in Revelation, in the glorified Jesus, what is the first words out of his mouth? Jesus' mouth. What is the first words out of? We just said it. What is, no, what is the first words out of Jesus' mouth in Revelation about himself? Keep read it fully. Read it. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. That's it. He's he's reading. It's like, hey, George, I'm Anil, Vargas. My wife is Milo. You know, that's a first interaction. George, how do you introduce yourself? The what? The the entrepreneur. The father. The father. Milu is like shaking head. I better be husband first. <laughs> how, do you how do you introduce it? So Jesus introduces us first as what? Um, John, hi. Great to meet you. Welcome to heaven. I'm Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. G John, oh, so you are the servant, huh? Why? Because Jesus had told them, read this. Read this. Matthew chapter 20, verse 27. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be the... Your... No, no, no. Let him be the last. <laughs> hold on, hold on. <laughs> Let's not put words in Jesus' mouth, okay? It's already hard. <laughs> okay. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life ransom for many. Luke chapter 
20, uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 35. And he sat down, called the 12, and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Hold on. Let me repeat this. Whoever desires to be first shall be last of all and servant of all. Repeat after me. Servant of all. Come on, repeat after me. So, Jesus is introducing to John as, I am the I am the servant of who? John knew exactly when he said, I am the first. Oh, so you are the servant of all. You are the servant of all on earth and you have not changed titles in heaven. He is still a servant of all. Remember the one who has pierced ears? Is a servant forever. Hallelujah. Okay, let's go to Mark, right? Mark is a picture of the servant, yes or no? Okay. So what characterizes a servant? Anybody? Come on, give me, give me some things. What characterizes a servant? Being available. Being available, what else? Willing to serve. Willing to serve. Then, what characterizes a servant? How should they do stuff? Quickly. That's it. They need to do stuff what? Quickly. Who is a good servant? Does quickly, effectively, completely, doesn't take time. If he takes time, is he a good servant? No. What is an ideal servant? The, guy, the servant who takes how much time? Perfect servant. George? No time. Say no time. See? A perfect servant will take how much time? No time. Is Jesus a perfect servant? Yes. yes. Let's prove it. Let's go to Mark chapter 1. Okay, quickly. Otherwise, Milu's prayer request won't come to pass. Uh, Mark chapter 1. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan and immediately came coming out of the water. He saw the heavens open and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. Look at the word immediately. Mark chapter 1 verse 12. Immediately the spirit drove him to the wilderness. Mark chapter 1 verse 16. As he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother, casting a net into the sea and they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further from them, he saw James and John, and immediately he called them. And they left their nets, they left their father in the, uh, in the boat and the hired servants and went and followed them. Then they went into Capernaum. And immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and they, he taught them as one with authority. And then Mark chapter 1 verse 23. And they questioned among themselves, what is this? What new doctrine is this? With, with authority, he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread. Mark chapter 1. We are still in Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 verse 29. As soon as, as soon as means what? 
immediately. As soon as he had come out of, as they had come out of the synagogue, he, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother's wife's mother lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her when? Immediately. Man, Jesus, a servant, is working the whole day. Healing, 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 casting out demons. He comes home. He wants a break, correct? The servant needs a break. No. Peter's wife, uh, wife's mother is sick. What do they do? Why do they tell him immediately? Because he's a servant. He, they don't regard the servant needs some rest. They don't regard that the servant needs a break. They don't regard that he needs to eat some food. No, because he is an ox. He is ready for supply. And they immediately tell her about That's the key. This is the key. How do you receive from the Lord Jesus Christ? How do you receive from the Lord Jesus Christ? You, how, when do you ask him? You immediately ask him. You don't wait for him. You don't spend your time. You know what? Let me work on it while Jesus takes a break. You know? You know? And Jesus, then you can take over from where I left. You, you see that picture? You know, Jesus, you take over, okay? I'll work with this for some more time, and then you take over. No! You talk to him immediately. So you have a problem. Uh, brother, uh, brother, sister, let's fast and pray for uh, 40 days. Why? You don't have a servant in your house? Or you ran out of bills? You could not pay yourself? What, what's going on here? Is, is he not in the house? Is Jesus not in the house? Oh, how long did they have to talk to Jesus to heal Peter's wife's mother? How do you, how do you, how do you, how do you plead with a servant? You see how you deal with a servant compared to deal with a master? How do you deal with a servant? Huh? You press the button. You say what? Do you entreat him? No. Why? Why do you don't entreat him? He's there to serve. That's faith. If you don't see Jesus in his picture as an ox, you don't see, you see an incomplete Jesus. You say to the ox immediately. You don't wait. That's not humility. Oh, Jesus, I just know three faces of yours. Fourth one, I just don't know about you. Get to know him. Get to know him. Get to know this Jesus that works tirelessly as an ox for you. I want you to know this. Okay, they tell immediately, okay? Look at this. This is huge. Mark, right? We're still in Mark. Mark is a gospel of the servant, Jesus. Okay, look at it. So he came, took her by the hand, lifted her up, and and immediately the fever left him. See? How long did Jesus take to cast out that fever? No time. Why did he take no time for Jesus? Because Jesus is a perfect servant. Can you do it? No. Is he a better servant than you? Yes. Let him do the work. 
you know, we have all these services who come into our house, you know, to fix this, fix that, fix the gate, fix this. Sometimes there's always something, you know, going around. You know, you're like, you're like, constantly, like, this is gone. So, most of the time, I just kind of want to hang around and, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> watch them. Sometimes I will kind of, you know, they will do this plumbing, something, I'll kind of hold this for them, you know, yeah. you know. You know, most guys are pretty accommodating because I own the house, I, I give the bills. But some guys are like, okay, let me do the job, okay? <laughs> you don't need to hold. Like, he, he's sweating blood and doing this and cutting straddle, and I'm like, oh, I'm just holding. I can just hold, just let me hold it. What, are, what is my holding going to do with this? Oh, if I did not hold, this would not get fixed? And then I got, I come inside the house, Milo, is it fixed? Yeah, yeah, we worked on it and we fixed it, you know? <laughs> his tools, his effort, his wisdom, I just held it. You know? You don't need it. Let him do the work. You just tell him. But tell him how? Immediately. He's in the house. Say, he's in the house. He's in the house. He's in the house. He's in the house. Here, Jesus was in Peter's house, yes or no? Yes. When he is in the house, you tell him immediately. If he is in the house, you tell him immediately. And you have full expectation that he will do it. In fact, I, I bring back to my dad's example. Because we could press the button, and he would come and take care of my dad in the wee hours of the morning to change his diapers, to do stuff, we all had a good sleep. We were not tired. So in the morning, we were fresh to serve him. You know? Because in the night, he was doing all the stuff. And we did not hear anything. Because he was quick to come. And that's what it is. He who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. What a perfect servant. He is. What a perfect servant. Why would you not use him? That sounds almost blasphemous, but the Lord Jesus Christ says, if you knew, he told the Samaritan woman, if you knew who is asking you for a drink, you would ask him. <laughs> so the Samaritan woman is a perfect example of, of servant versus supply. So here is Jesus making a demand of her. And Jesus adds in this clause. By the way, if you knew who is it who is asking you for a drink, you would ask him. And she immediately didn't waste any time. I love it. She said what? Give me? Oh, let me think about it. Let me go through a discipleship program. Let me build myself up in faith so that I can ask this Jew for water. No, you got water, I have need, give me. So Jesus, Jesus, this is so good. This is so good. So Jesus says, so, so she's asking, give me water, right? So now she's treating Jesus like a servant. It's like, hey, give me water. So Jesus says, go and get your husband. So, so look, this is so good. So she says, I have no husband. 
So now you don't have water. <laughs> now you don't have any husband. It's <laughs> so funny. So Jesus said, no problem. Why? See, if I can give you water, can I not give you a husband? No problem. Pile it on, brother. Pile it on. This ox can carry everything. Water, husband, and all. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's what he said. Jesus, Jesus like, man, thank God she has only stopped at water. Why would he go there? Let me ask you a question. Why would he go there? Like, when I'm ministering, and sometimes, you know, people say, Anil, can you pray for this? I'm like, thank you, Jesus. She's only asking me to pray for this. I hope they don't say, raise me up from the wheelchair. You know? <laughs> Brother, I'll pray that you'll have peace and comfort while you take care of her. <laughs> because I don't have the faith to, because, because you think, I, because I think that I am doing the I'm, doing, I'm not doing the work. Faith is knowing that the servant does the work. So Jesus is saying, Pylon, sister, you want a husband? I'll get you a husband. This is what he said. Jesus says, Jesus is getting ready to give her a husband. This is how beautiful it is. She said, you had five husbands. The one that you have is not your husband. So total how much? Six. He's getting ready, getting ready, ready to introduce to her the seventh man. Who is the seventh man? Himself. He said, "I will give you the water, and I will be your husband. I am the seventh man." And remember, when G and the Samaritan woman came. To uh, draw water, it was the which hour? The sixth hour. It was hot in the day. And as he was talking, as he was talking, it said, and she said, we don't worship in this mountain, we worship in another mountain. He said, believe me, woman, an hour is coming, and now is. What happened? The clock just struck seven. The moment the clock struck seven, she's entering into a rest. She not only got water, she not only got a husband, now <coughs> she got everlasting rest. And she brought a whole city to the feet of Jesus. How quickly? Immediately. Why? Because she was able to serve because she got served. You are able to serve in your ministry because you are served by him first. You can only serve out of what you being served in your life. If you don't get served by this divine servant, you cannot serve anybody else. You are a bankrupt, pitiful you. What can you give anybody of only of what you have received? You know, Jesus' first miracle was a miracle of servant. So they go to a wedding. And they ran out of wine. Immediately the mother tells Jesus, what? They have no wine. That sounds like a total servant talk. Hey, they have no wine. 
Jesus says what? Jesus answers a classic servant reply. I've never seen it until today when I was studying it. Only a servant answers like this. Woman, <laughs> what has your concern got to do with me? My shift has not yet started. <laughs> Only servant can talk like that. It's not a son talking to a mother. A son will not talk like that to a mother. And live. <laughs> a son will never tell a mother, woman, what does your concern have got to do with me? My hour has not come. What do you mean? Why? But Jesus was operating as a servant here. He's saying, you have a need, I am the servant. But my shift has not yet started. My shift will only start when my father tells, I'm ready to start. What shift? Get ready. This is the Holy Spirit's word. The servant shift has not yet started for Jesus. But yet, because she made a demand out of her, he preponed the servant shift and gave her the miracle. Because the Bible says in John, because that miracle is in John. It says, of his fullness, we have all received. Mary saw past his Ah, he said, I know you're going to be a servant. I know you're going to serve everybody. I know your shift has not yet started. I know your, your hour has not come to start working as a servant. But I can see you full. You're ready to serve. Like at the Samaritan woman versus the sixth hour. The seventh hour had not yet started. But she's trying to make a demand. I'm going to keep talking with you. Because anyway, it's going to be only one more hour. You have the supply. I have the need. You are the servant. I am the servie. I'll wait. But as soon as the seventh hour happened, the, money, the supply flew. Hallelujah. So Jesus said, he said, he said, fill how many water pots? Six. Because six is a picture of a man whose waterfall, water pots were never full. They were depending on every man who could not hold water. It was never full until the perfect man came who was full of water. He said, fill it up because that's a picture of me as a man who is full and ready to serve. He said, draw out of full six water pots because he's saying of, the, of his fullness, we shall all receive grace upon grace. Means what is grace? Unmerited supply upon unmerited supply. Water, husbands, Children, education, businesses, prosperity, robes, favor, wisdom. What more do you want out of this full man? Send him into the earth, fully loaded. The father sent him into the earth, fully loaded. And we are here. Uh, can I hold the pipe for you? This is powerful. Are you getting this picture? Is he an ox? Yes. Is he ashamed to be an ox? Is he an ox for whose sake? For his sake or your sake? Let me ask you. What is the characteristics of an ox? Okay, I'm going to read that. This is, this is, this is, do you all have time? This is going to bless you. Okay? This is what the Bible talks about an ox. There's so much. But I can't, I can't cover everything. 
Okay. Okay. Read Job chapter 39 verse 9. Job chapter 39. This is God talking about his creation. He introduces this ox in the middle. Like, you see, nothing is... <laughs> God is not filling up space. He's like, okay, I'm going to boast about everything, but let me boast about an ox. No! Cut it! Go to the leopard, go to the lion. No! Let me talk about the ox. Why? Because he's going to get ready to tell you about him. It's so beautiful. Let's read it. Job chapter 39, verses 9 to 12. I think 9, 10, 11, 12. Four verses about an ox. <laughs> I think some of the great men of faith in Hebrews did not even have one verse about them, you know. <laughs> okay, here it is. Job. Will the wild ox be willing to serve you? See the question. See, what's an expectation of an ox? He's saying, will, a wild, will the wild dogs be willing to serve you? Will it? Can you tame a wild dog to serve you? No. Who is this wild dog? See it. Jesus. Nobody could bound him. Can, did they try, they, they try to, like he's lived. 33 years, they could not touch him. They stoned him, bind him. Toward the end, they came to touch him, they fell down. Like, he's wild, man. Nobody could touch him. They come with swords, spears, everything. He's wild. Nobody could touch him. He had no weapons. All his ministry. They're like, no, Herod is going to kill you. That will guy kill you. Pilate. Everybody's afraid of him. It's like a wild dog. He tells, Herod is going to kill you. He said, tell that fox. I'm going to be here today, tomorrow, and the third day I'll be perfected. He's not afraid of anyone. He's a wild dog. Can he serve you? Can he serve you, George? Why will he serve you? Because he's pierced. He loves you. He doesn't, love, he doesn't serve you because he's forced to serve you as a servant. He serves you because he loves you. Says, will a wild dog be willing to serve you? Will he bed by your manger? What does he mean, will he bed by your manger? Will he live with you? Are you will, will he be comfortable with you? Will you be comfortable with you? Or does he, do, do you get intimidated by him? That means, are you comfortable, Jolsna, with Jesus in the house? Yes. Why? Do his wild ox? He loves me. Oh, that's a version. <laughs> Some versions are crazy, but I will take that. He said, will, you, will he spend the night at your manger? Will he spend the night at your manger, Alexa? He lives with me. Hallelujah. This wild dog lives with you. I don't even like to use the word wild, but I want you to understand because he wants to portray a question of why an ox which has his own mind but he lives with you. Can you bind the wild dogs in the furrows with ropes? Can you bind them? Yeah. But yet, he submitted himself for your sake. 
and went to the cross. Will he plow the valleys behind you? Ah, who is the one who works on your businesses? Who is the one who works on your workplace? Who is the one who plows your valleys? Uh, I. 80% uh, of the time I work and 20% Jesus. No, who plows the valley before you, behind you? Jesus, the wild dogs. He's the one, he's the one. He's been designed to plow the valleys for you. The valleys are the hard places of your life. He's the one who will work those places for you. You can work. You can work. Let me ask you a question. How much do you have to work what an ox can do? How much time? Mark says immediately. Like, how much, how long will it take the fever of Ma Peter's mother-in-law to leave? Seven days at least. Right? At least. Jesus like, immediately, she got up and served him. See, out of what she got served, what did she do? She served. She served in what strength? In the strength that she was served with. You see? Same thing. You see the same picture. All of what you get served, you can serve. There you go. Look at it. Can, will you trust him because his strength is great? This ox's strength is what? Great. Or, or will you leave your labor to him? Ah! Jesus at the end of the Samaritan woman uh, discussion. Remember, Jesus was very hungry at this point. He was thirsty too, but he was also hungry. Correct? So for the thirst, he went to the Samaritan woman. For the food, he went to his disciples. And what did the disciples do? What did the disciples do? They went to the town outside to look for food. So did they miss it or did they not miss it? They missed it. Because who is the servant who has the supply? Jesus. Jesus has the supply. He is the servant. He has the water. He has the bread. He has the husbands. He has the labor. So he, towards the end, he comes. He looks all refreshed. And the disciples ask, has someone brought him food? Then Jesus says, I have food that you know no not of. That means who has the food? Jesus has the food. He says, don't say four months and then the harvest. Don't introduce time because in my, I'm a servant, I don't introduce time. Lift up your eyes. The fields are white unto harvest. I have called you to enter into labor, to harvest what you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their rest. Who is he talking about? He's about himself. He says, I am the one who labors. I am the one who works. I want you to enter into it. I, you have to see me as the supply. You know, there's this big question. This is very popular. I'll, I'll go there later. But let's look at this ox. Will you trust him to bring home your grain? Hallelujah. Oh my goodness. This is your investments, your businesses, your increase. Will you trust him to bring it home? Yes. Yes. I trust him to bring it home for me. Hallelujah. And gather it to your threshing floor. 
he will not only bring it home he will gather it to a threshing floor that means he will not only get the money to you he will put in your passport and put it in your bank account can you do it can you believe that supernatural money shows up in your bank accounts nah not in modern times why he's become old <laughs> no you can you believe can you what what stops you what stops you is this a face a part of the godhead yes or no yes is this a face a part of the godhead can you receive from him yes okay let's go let's go i'll show you something very powerful okay the one question final exam if there is a it's a final exam has only one question and if you get it you pass if you don't get it you fail okay do you want to see this question so jesus at the end of his ministry gives his disciples a one question final exam one question okay final question final exam you want to hear you want to see that okay here it is john chapter 6 verse 4 now the passover a feast of the jews were near then jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming towards him he said to philip say the question is coming up okay so philip where can we buy bread that these may eat simple question let's answer the question where can we buy bread that these may eat philip right simple question one question you get this you pass the whole discipleship program you you are qualified you're done done one question that's it no more complication we just want to know where can we buy bread that these may eat look at what look at the next question but this he said to test him for he himself knew what he would do do you, you see the picture who is going to get the food he is going to get the food where is he going to get the food from from himself because where is he loaded in in himself where did the wine come from from himself where did the fish come from from himself where did the bread come from from himself where did the husband why are we talking about this husband thing is nobody needs marriage here <laughs> i think somebody on the podcast or somebody would need a husband hey somebody needs a husband some of our children needs husbands and sons and daughters right we prophesy jesus gives husbands amen jesus gives wives amen i'm telling you mothers know sometimes they have faith for a lot of things but when it comes to these things they don't have faith but jesus has husbands he's loaded man he's loaded he knows himself what he's going to do so jesus asked philip a simple question he's not asking what you're going to do nothing did he ask him what you're going to do no he's saying where where so the question is what where is it very simple is complicated is it how are we going to get bread is not that's so that's complicated that's like deep man <laughs> how i have to plant and then i have to harvest and that's like too complicated where is easy so he says so how easy is this question talk about open book answer the answer is standing in the front of him is like i am the answer right just look at me philip look at me where can we buy bread philip uh, no philip hint hint where 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 means see my hands i i supply is here man this is how 
horrible our see because we do not this is so huge jesus knew this problem so the pharisees kept coming to jesus just he just fed 5000 people with five loaves right and the pharisees come and says uh, 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 can you show us a sign i mean what did i do play games out there is <laughs> like I mean, I just this is wilderness. This is like desert. There's nothing here. You know there is no bread, and I just fed five thousand people with five loaves, and you're telling me show me a sign. You know the this 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 uh, this week the Holy Spirit in my quiet time he said, you know, because they did not receive the sign of Jesus, because Jesus himself was the sign. He's that loaded ox that showed up in your house. he's the one who man if a fat man opens the door knocks at your door and stands outside you know there is no famine in the land is that funny you know there is no famine in the land but i know but i can just look at you and i know there is no famine i mean at least there is no famine in the land So, so the fact that Jesus is standing outside in your house—I mean, he is fully prosperous, he is fully rich, he is fully loaded. I mean, you are not going around saying famine, famine in the land. Seven more years, man. What's in your house? Look in your house, man. I mean, that's so. That's what the supply is. He is the supply. So Jesus is saying in Revelation, he's telling the book of Laodicea, he says. i counsel i mean you are blind you're poor you're wretched you are naked man it's like jesus gives a fivefold ministry to this church you know poor wretched miserable naked and blind i think it's five i think almost five or six you don't want that kind of con uh, is this i counsel this is what he says i counsel from you buy from me look at me buy from me because i am i have the supply i buy from me clothes that you may be made white gold that you may be rich that means jesus has what gold he has righteousness as a gift he has all supply he said counsel from me remember this uh uh how many virgins six six virgins 10 virgins 10 wise 10 foolish you know why they were called foolish because when they ran out of oil they went outside to buy oil who has the oil the bridegroom the guy who is going to show up is the one who has the oil because they never knew him to be the supply when they were alive they never knew that he would be the supply when they are resurrected they never saw jesus as a supply when they when they were alive for all the time when they were alive when they wanted well oil where did they go to the store to the store <laughs> so when they are resurrected when they ran out of oil where did they go to the store what happened when they went the doors got shut, the doors got shut. i am telling you get ready to renew your minds and is jesus is telling to laodicean church he says as 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 many as i love i chasten repent and be, and turn he says what change your mind about what not about your sins about himself about himself as what 
as a servant. Change your mind. Wake up before it is too late. Because in this time, if you don't see me as supply, your soul is going to get discouraged. Like the Israelites, their soul got discouraged in the wilderness because they never saw Jesus as their supply. And they kept going back to figs, wines that Israel, Egypt can give because they never saw the cloud and the pillar and Jesus walking with them and leading them into supply. You know, once they got so much meat, so much meat that they had food, for their meat continuously ate morning and evening for what, 40 days or something? That it, the meat came out of their nostrils. Jesus is saying, you think I cannot supply meat for you today? And uh, Moses is like, yeah, you cannot. That's exactly what he said. He said, uh, how much, how much, how many, how much, how many cattle has to be killed? And how much stuff has to be made for you to supply to that? Jesus, God said, Jesus said, okay, watch and see. They had, they had meat. Birds flying from everywhere. I don't know where they came. There is not enough birds in the Middle East to fill that kind of volume. Where did the birds come from? He, guys, it's, it's not... You think this fish that showed up in Peter's boat was from the Sea of Galilee? No. It is super... Okay. Okay, fish has to travel in the sea. So you give it that discount. But what about bread in the wilderness? How much time will it take for bread to manifest in the wilderness? How much time? No, in Jesus' case, immediately. But how much time normally? You would have to do a lot of work for bread to happen. Bread is like processed food. Why? Because it was from his supply. He has the supply. He has the supply. Okay, so let's go to the question. So he said, he said, how many low, uh, he said, he asked Philip. Where shall we buy bread that these made? And he said them to test it. And Jesus said, and Philip failed that question, right? Because he said, where can we buy? There's not enough money. What can we? Because he was, he's, he's saying, do you not see that I am the supplier? And I'll, and I'll close with this one passage. This one passage. I want you to see See, one, there are very few places, and I don't, I don't want you to hear this very carefully. Very few places in the Bible, in the New Testament, Jesus sighs deeply. He's like, ah. when somebody does that, what does it mean? Huh? He's like frustrated. Like, so very few places where Jesus would do that. I mean, he had long patience with all kinds of things, right? But when he did this, Okay, let's, let's go there. Jesus sighs deeply. Uh, I think it is in... I don't have the version. Okay. Should be John chapter... I think it's the book of John. Uh, 
Okay, John. John, the feeding of the 5,000. Can somebody pick that verse? John 6, is it the feeding of the 5,000? Okay, let's see, John chapter 6. Okay, uh, can, can somebody pick up this verse? When the when the Pharisees, okay, let's look at it, uh, he described and when he left them and got into the boat again and departed to the other side, now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Can you pick up that passage? When he had forgotten to take bread. I think it is in book of Mark. Mark. Okay. Okay. Let's go. Let's go to Mark. It's the same book. The book of the servant. Uh, Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, verse 13. And when he left them and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Right? Then he charged them and saying, take heed. Okay, look at, uh, you wanted to know where Jesus sighed, right? This, he just finished feeding the 4,000 and look at Mark chapter 8, verse 11. Then the Pharisees came and began to dispute with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven, testing him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Now he's now focused. He's like, why do these Pharisees don't see this very clearly? What? Why are they looking at my sign? Why do you need a sign when they cannot see that I am their supply? I am the bread. I am the divine servant that has been said, right? So he does. He says they are not able to see this. So this. So he, he's now preoccupied with this thought. He's like, why are these guys asking me for a sign? Okay. While this is happening, he he just goes out from this place, and guess what? The disciples forget to take this bread, right? Um, it's called a. Um, it's called a what? Careless. What do you call it? Negligence or what do you call? It? Uh, uh, discretion of duty, deliriction of duty, <laughs> you know, like you start using words like that. The disciples are not doing the job. They're not being good stewards. They're just messing it up. They've, they should have known better. They've been with Jesus so long, blah, 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 all that stuff, right? So Jesus worried about that. No, what does Jesus say? So look at what he says. When they left them, getting into the boat to the other side, when the disciples had forgotten to take bread, they did not have more than how many loaves with them? How many loaves? One. one loaf. Who is this one loaf? <laughs> That's so funny. It's, it's almost a picture. Even though you don't have anything, you still have the one loaf. Jesus in the boat. Okay. Look at, forget, the, forget the thing. And he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod, which is hypocrisy. In another passage, he says, leaven means the yeast that goes into bread. He says, don't let that corrupt you. Don't let you think that 
You don't let it not make you see me as your supply. Let's read this. And they reasoned among themselves, it is because we have taken no bread. And Jesus being aware of it said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread? For you have, do you not perceive or understand? And your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many were there left, full of, a basket full of fragments did you take? He said to them, they said to them, 12. And when I broke seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basket full of fragments did you take? And they said, seven. Five, seven. You see a picture? Five, a picture of full grace. Seven, a picture of divine provision. Right? That means, when you had less, I multiplied more. And then he said, how is it then that you do not understand? You don't understand what? That now you don't have any brand. Guess what I what can I do for you? I can supply. The, the mathematic thing is with less, he got more. So technically, if you multiply seven, you should get more fragments left behind. It's funny. He multiplied, he multiplied five, he got 12 baskets. Now he has only one bread. Oh my goodness, there is not going to be enough place in the boat to multiply that because anything divided by zero is what, George? Infinity. <laughs> Infinity. See, the teacher knows the answer. You start dividing anything by zero? Oh my goodness. I don't think any of the supercomputers can ever compute that supply. What's going to show up? Your boat's going to sink. You better not ask the supply at this point of time. Wait till you get to the shore. And that's the supply that you're talking about. Jesus, your divine servant. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. That you, Jesus is in the midst as a divine servant for you. Let the older one serve the younger one. And I'll, and I'll have just one more and I'll close with this. One more. Luke chapter 17. Faith as a servant depends, depending on the divine servant. So Jesus is telling, they are, uh, they are asking disciples, uh, Jesus, they are asking Jesus, how, long, how, much, how, how much should we forgive? Jesus said, forgive. Limitless, pretty much. And then the apostles in Luke chapter 17, verse 9 says, and the apostles said to them, increase our faith. So the, the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to the mulberry tree, be pulled out by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And then he uses this beautiful terminology, example about a, of faith. He's talking about faith. The disciples are asking increase our faith. Because now we as believers and in families, we are waiting in our lives for some major I wouldn't say challenges, but major need for supply. Agree? Like major. Not like, not what a man can do. Only a wild ox, a great, wild, powerful, strong ox can get you. Yes or no? So now you, the, the disciples are asking, increase our faith. 
How do I receive from this ox? So that's, that's my final question to you. How do I receive from this ox? So Jesus is saying, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will sing. So how do you receive from this ox? You will speak to it. That means to the Lord Jesus Christ, the divine servant, the divine Godhead, you will do what? You will speak. And how do you speak? Look at Jesus says, which of you having a servant? Now, Jesus is right away going faith, equating faith to a servant. How do you deal with a servant? See, that's how you know how do you... Remember I told you when the Holy Spirit said, if I had the reputation, if I did the... If a servant did what I did for my children, they would have fired me a long time back. Because they are not drawing on me and blaming me for being a horrible servant. So, how do you... So, faith is knowing how to get from a servant. Yes or no? Great. There you go. Because who does the miracles? Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who works. He's the one who wills. He's the one who does. He does all the work. He does all the willing. He's the ox. By the way, a sidetrack here. In Deuteronomy, there is a law of the ox. Say the law of the ox. The law of the ox says, you shall not, listen to this, you shall not, how many of you know the law of the ox? Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 10. You shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. Did he hear that? God says, you shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. Why? They are not. Because what's going to happen? Who is going to get killed? The donkey is going to get run over. You do not plow. That means when you work, who should do the work? Should you contribute? No. Because you are what? The donkey. <laughs> you got the picture? Because who is the ox out here? Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ. Who will do the work? Jesus who will do the yoke? Who will bear the yoke? Esau said, this is the blessing that came on Esau. He said, you will break his yoke. When you grow restless, you didn't, I didn't even read that. We don't have time, brothers and sisters. You, we heard the blessing over Jacob, but the blessing over Esau was, you will live by the dew of heaven, because Jesus lived off the favor from heaven. He will be a man of the field, because he was, he was the one who worked the fields for his father. And then he said, when you grow restless, you will break the yoke from, his, from, from your brother's neck. Break his yoke. What was the yoke that we and all carried for the longest period of time? Multiple choice question. Yoke. Peter, Paul, speak specifically about the yoke. The law. They, we, Jesus Christ, at the appointed time, when he grew restless, broke the law off our back. Esau fulfilled that for Jacob. Jesus fulfilled that for you and me. 
I have uh, six pages of yoke references and I'm not going to take this whole day evening for you. Isaiah talks about it. The anointing will break the yoke. What is the yoke? Who is the anointing? The Christ will break the yoke because the ox will break the yoke that was on your neck. So law forever is broken by your ox. He broke it. So Satan has nothing to put on you right now. It's powerful. So the law of the ox. You shall not plow the ox and the donkey together. You know how why Elijah, Ashley, do you know why Eli, Elisha was selected compared to uh, uh, after, you remember Elijah became very depressed. He said, I am the only one righteous. Uh, uh, everybody has left me, everybody has died. And Jesus said, okay, no problem. Uh, we'll take care of it. Uh, why don't you find Elisha? You go and anoint Elisha. What was Elisha doing when Elisha was selected? Do you know that? Love Correct! Let's go there. This is so huge. You will love this. Because this is a picture of what a believer in Christ ought to do. First Kings chapter 19. So Elijah departed from there and found Elisha the son of Shapta, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. Hallelujah. Is he using ox? How many? 12. What is that a picture of? He said, I will take the full government supply of help that I can get. The full government of servants I will take. The full Godhead. Twelve is a picture of government. He said, the whole government supply of oxen I will carry. Because I will use the finished work of Jesus for my work. I will plow with twelve oxen before him. That means, is he walking with the oxen? Or before him? Who is doing the work? The oxen. The, oxen. the 12 oxen are before him. My goodness, can you think of a field in which you are behind 12 oxen? What kind of efficiency is your field getting plowed from? One oxen is good. What about 12 oxen and you behind it? How do you think you will be going? Oh my goodness, hallelujah. This harvest is going to be great. I am going to take great territory. Why? With oxen comes your increase. When Elijah, when the Holy Spirit saw Elisha depending on oxen for his increase, the Lord said, take him. Choose him. Because he knows how to depend on a servant. Faith is depending on a divine servant. Elisha, God found faith in Elisha. Look at what he says. And look at what he says. So he had this oxen for his field. Yes or no? Okay, keep reading. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. And he said, please let me kiss my father and mother and then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back, for what have I done to you? But Elisha knew what Elijah had done. Because he was discerning. He knew that mantle came upon him. Yes or no? 
He said the office of the prophet has now come upon him. He's not a natural mind. He said, oh, by the way, you forgot your mantle. No, he didn't say that. He knew what Elijah, Elijah had done to him. He knew the mantle of the prophet, the prophet of Israel came upon him. Why? Because he depended upon the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You want mantles falling on you for businesses, for ministry, learn to use the oxen. Learn to use the divine servant. And more is better. More shows faith, great faith. Okay, let's look at it. So, so Elisha turned back from him and took the yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. So what did they eat? The oxen. What did they burn the sacrifices with? The yoke of the oxen. You see the power? Everything that he needed for life came from where? From the oxen. He knew where his supply was. See, your supply is here. Oh no, now it's food. Now it's food time. Now I need to go to the towns. No! Oxen! So this whole next two months, <laughs> you'll be thinking what? I have an ox, a strong ox, who works for me night and day. And I'm not ashamed to call him Lord. Hallelujah. I'm not ashamed to call him Lord. I'm not ashamed to call him Lord. Hallelujah. And he arose and followed Elijah and became a servant. Remember I told you, Deuteronomy, the ox of the, uh, ox of the law of the ox. So judge, what is the law of the ox? You should not plow together. So just remember that in all our life pursuits. Let Jesus do the heavy lifting, the working. How do you make him do it? You immediately tell him. Like a servant. You don't wait. You don't entreat. Okay? Keep reading. So let's look at another case where Look at Job. Remember Job, Satan went and destroyed all that Job possessed. You know why? Job chapter 1, verses 12. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay your hands on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And there was a day where his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, look at the words of the messenger that came to Job when Satan attacked Job. Correct? This is an insight. Look at the words. The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside them. Wow. What was Job doing? His righteousness... He was trying to get, preserve his life with not the finished work of Jesus, but also his righteousness. The Holy Spirit just told me today about this. He said, Job, that opened the door for Satan to catch him. Because who is going to get destroyed in the midst? The donkeys. Job got destroyed in the midst. But God, he renewed his mind 
and he called out and then finally he shut his mouth. He said, what? I'm going to close my mouth. Your righteousness is a gift to me. For all the time he kept saying, you know what? I have done what I want. I have not lusted after a woman. I've had a covenant with my eyes. I've given to the poor. What are you doing? What are you doing, Job? You're plowing next to a donkey. Sorry. You're plowing next to a ox. Look at the first words of destruction that came to Job. The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding next to it. That's a sad picture. It's almost a reflection of what opened the door in Job's life. Why is the Holy Spirit even writing this detail out there? Because it's not about oxen, brothers and sisters. It is about your revelation of who the Lord Jesus Christ is. He is sufficient. He's all knowing. He doesn't need your contribution. Let him break the yoke. Let him do the work. Let him do everything. You don't have to plow next to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. Moses. Moses. When the uh, people complained for water, the second time, Moses became very mad with Aaron and Aaron. And God said, God never found fault with the people because people's, the people's souls were very discouraged when they did not get water, bread. And they said, they complained. We don't have water, we don't have bread, and we have this worthless loaf. That's the exact word they said. They called manna worthless loaf. Who is manna, by the way? He's the bread that comes down from heaven. And they called him worthless. Why do you think the people, the children of Israel called the manna worthless? Because they didn't see Jesus. They didn't see supply flowing out. And what was the problem? Why did they not see supply? Because Moses did not honor God as the supply for them. So what happened? They complained for water. So they... Jesus told very specifically, this is the key. How to receive water from the rock? Who is the rock? Jesus. Jesus. Is he exalted in heaven right now? Yes. Is he the divine servant right now? How do you get supply from him? This is how you get. Now you speak. First time you hit him. That's how you, he supplied. But this time, now that he's exalted, you speak to the divine servant. Do you hit the servant? No. You speak to the servant. Will the servant give you immediately? Yes. Let's read Numbers chapter 20. So Moses and Aaron went out from the presence of the assembly of the door of the tabernacle and they fell on their faces and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses saying, take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock. You know, the word rock in here is different from the first rock that was mentioned, which was hit. The first rock was a big boulder. This rock, the Hebrew word is a mountain. How do you hit a mountain? Because he is now 
highly exalted. Different Hebrew words. He says, to this rock you speak, Jotsna. Will this rock supply your need? Will your land come back to you? Yes. Why? Is he a good servant? Will he take time to do it? No. Will you fire him if he takes time? He will not take time, is what I'm trying to tell you. He doesn't need your mercy to stay in office. He does a good job by himself. He stands alone in his work. You need his mercy for his supply. Hallelujah. Look at what he says. Speak to the rock and it will yield the water that you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and the animals. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord. This is the resurrected rod of Aaron. <laughs> this, is, this is so funny. This is the rod that blossomed. It has all the almonds and the thing. He takes this resurrected rod, the picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what does he do with it? And look at what he says. He gathered the assembly before the rock and he said to them, Here now you rebels. Wow. Because you don't have supply, you don't give. Because you don't receive, you become impatient with people around you. Why do you get angry with people? Because you don't have the supply to give them. But if you can receive, you can give. Look at what he says. Must we, must we bring water for you? Out of the rock, then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with the Aaron's blossoming rod. That's a complete no-no. What are you supposed to do to the resurrected Christ? Speak to it. But what? Did the water come out? Yes. This time the water came out abundantly like a river. The different word here than the first word. The first time the water came in like a stream. This time the water came in like a gushing river that overtook the whole plain. That means the resurrected Christ's supply as a servant for you is far above what you can think, imagine, or ask. Total supply. Different word. And the congregation and the animals drink. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me, means you did not believe me for what? Supply. What are you going to do? To hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel because they never see me as the one who can supply you. They never see me. They always see me that I'm this reluctant God who always takes time. Every prayer request has to be accompanied by prayer and fasting and self-infliction. And everything has to be a reason. Everything, there is an exception. Why it cannot happen to me? It can happen to Anil, but cannot happen to me. It will happen to this, but not happen to me. All kinds of foolishness. Oh, why did that righteous woman die? No. He's reliable. Because you did not hallow me. Because nobody has told you about this servant. You don't have no, no knowledge about this great servant. Because you did this, what did God tell to Moses? You shall not 
bring the assembly into the land which I have given you. This land that you are going to possess, and he is talking to believers, can only be possessed by revelation of the divine servant. Hallelujah. But this is classic. So he said, the law cannot get you into the promised land. Moses cannot get you into the promised land. The law, that means your labor, your works, cannot get you into the promised land. So what can get you in the promised land? Do you know how Joshua, the book of Joshua, the first verse starts? Moses, the law could not get Israel into the promised land. What does Joshua's first verse, verse 1 says? After the death of Moses, that is after the law had departed, Moses the servant, remember? Law was a servant, training you, child, child training you. After the death of Moses the servant, servant of the Lord, it came to pass that God, the Lord spoke to Joshua the son. Did you notice that? The Holy Spirit put this so beautifully. Moses the servant died and God spoke to Joshua the son. Take them into the land. Hallelujah. So who will take you into the land? The son. The son. The the and he says to Joshua the son, he says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. Did you notice bad grammar? How do you correct it? Every place that the sole of your foot will tread down, I will give you. What is it written? Hold on. Read it again. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. That means, when did, has God given you your land? He has already given. When will you put your foot down? When you do it. But when it has been given? In the past. Say, past perfect tense. Your inheritance is a past perfect tense. Your revelation is, of, is your future tense. If you, the earlier you have revelation, the earlier you take possession. Write it down. The earlier you have revelation, the earlier you take possession. Revelation of what? The divine servant. The exalted cliff to which you shall not hit, but only speak. Are you ready, brothers and sisters, to take territory? Will you answer the multiple, the single, single question exam now? Let me ask you what Jesus asked Philip. Hey, by the way, after this example, they ran out of water again. Numbers chapter 21. Remember this happened in Numbers chapter 20? Numbers chapter 21. They ran out of water and then there was a well, they went to Beer, there was a well there and Moses said to the Mo, uh, Lord said to Moses, gather the people together and I will give them water. How do you get water now, George? Huh? No? Speak. Come on, man. Come on. Get those answers. You, well, how do you get water? Speak. So look at the next verse. This time they didn't fail. Then Israel sang this song. 
spring up a well. All you, all of you, sing to it. Did you see it? How did they get water this time? Singing. Singing to what? To it. So there is a well. They cannot see water. So God says, no problem. I just told you. Remember last time? Rod, no, 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 no rod, okay? What do you do? Speak. Better still. Sing. Sing to the well. How, how many? All of you. Everybody sing to the well. And they sang to the well. And the well gave water. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Let me ask you this question once again. Philip, where can we buy food that these may eat? We buy it from you, Lord Jesus. You. You are here in our midst. We'll take it from you. We are not going out. We are not going out. You're not going to search around. You showed up at the door. You're a fat one, fat one. You're a fat oxen. In fact, Jesus in all the New Testament shows him as a fat oxen. You know, when the younger son came back to the house of the father, who got killed? The fatted calf. Who is the fatted calf? Jesus. Everybody enjoyed life. Who paid the price? Jesus. But they call him the fatted calf. You know why? Because he has all supply. He's sufficient for you. He's sufficient for you. In fact, in the Passover thing, he says, if the Passover lamp cannot be finished by your household, share it with the other household. It's never shown that if your Passover lamp was so small that you need to borrow from the neighbor's Passover lamp. No. The Passover lamp is always a fat one. He's always the oversupply. You'll always have fragments left over. He's never just enough. You better be ready for great storehouses when you ask him. Because he's never going to just supply your need. Whatever doctrine that people spout that he will just supply your need is hogwash. He never just enough. He's oversupplies. You'll always have to figure out what to do with the leftovers. Because he's just oversupply. He's too much. His everything is too much because he's the ox, the fat ox. You know, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel of a righteous servant. You know? The, which is the, where is the gospel of Jesus Christ shown in the Bible? Romans chapter 10 talks about the gospel of Jesus Christ, believes in the heart, confesses in the mouth. And there he says, he talks about Isaiah 53, isn't it? Isaiah 53 is where the gospel of Jesus Christ is. You know how Isaiah 53 says, By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. Isaiah 52 says, Isaiah 52, one chapter before, he's introducing the servant. He says, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. The introduction of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel of a righteous servant who bears your iniquities, who carries your burdens, who sprinkles you clean, and he will be exalted. But Isaiah 53 verse 1 is a warning. It's a warning for those who don't see Jesus as a righteous servant. They say, behold, who has believed our report? We, nobody wants to believe 
that this Jesus is a righteous servant. They don't believe it. It's too good to be true for them. And let us not be among those who don't receive this report. Who has believed our report? Because Romans chapter 10 says, the gospel of Jesus Christ is this report. He quotes this verse. Who has believed this report? This report of a righteous servant. Are you excited? Or do you believe that you can receive? Why can you receive? Why can you receive? Because he's a perfect servant. He's a perfect servant. Let's go ahead and, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come before your throne of grace, O Lord, Jesus Christ. I just sense the Lord telling me that the soul of many people are discouraged because of the wilderness. Because they have not seen me be their supply in a tough place. But I say to you, and I say to them, see me as the ox that is relentless, that does not sleep, that does not slumber, but is always at work for you. And I will mark this with signs and wonders of my great labor towards you, says the Lord. Get ready, says the Lord, for every place that your feet will trod over, I have already given to you. So declare victory over sicknesses. Declare victory over poverty. Declare victory over lack of wisdom. Declare victory over relationships. Declare victory over oppression. Declare victory over lack of zeal. The Lord says, I am your supply. I counsel, buy from me without price. I counsel you, buy from me your divine servant. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I just sense the Lord Jesus Christ walking in your midst right now. Reach out and ask the servant, whatever you need. I am among you as one who serves, says the Lord Jesus Christ. I am the one who laid down my garments and girded and washed your feet. You did not understand it then, but you understand it now because I am seated at the Father's right hand, girded, washing your feet, meeting your supply. Every anxiety be removed in Jesus' name right now. Great flow like a river is coming because you are getting ready to speak to a cliff. And rivers are going to flow out of me to meet your every need. That you and your children shall drink, says the Father. Who has believed our report? This is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit saying. Who has believed our report? That one of us has become your forever servant. Do you believe it? And if you believe it, Receive the benefits of it right now in Jesus' name. The older shall serve the younger. I have ordained it before you have done anything good or bad. I have ordained it as a sign of promise. And this shall never change. 
forever he is the first and forever he is the last i stand at the door and knock because a servant always stands at the door allow me to come in allow me to come in that i may serve you that i may make you sit down and serve you i may serve you says the lord jesus christ that i may serve you who is greater the one who sits or the one who serves is it not the one who sits but yet i am among you as one who serves and hereafter you will be seated on 12 thrones because i call you to be seated and i am among you as who serves you so take your place says the lord jesus christ allow me to serve you for if i cannot serve you you will have no part with me and you cannot share in my exploits and my plunder for the kingdom receive my service says the lord jesus christ and because you have repented because you have changed your mind towards me and about who i am great will be my reward towards you great is the reward that i have for you says the lord jesus christ enough says the lord of oppressions that you have been afraid of that yoke my great servant has already broken off you that ox has broken the ox in jesus name that anointing one and his anointing has broken every yoke that the enemy had sought to put on you and it shall never come back on you because the yoke does not exist in jesus name destroyed says the lord is oppression and access to you father we thank you and we praise you and especially pray for our children right now in jesus name oh rima karashi tenikere masutuno koro karashi tenikere masutuno oh chikara masutuno kan let's go and raise uh, praise and thanks oh ramasutuno koro bakan offer yokes and oppression that has come that the enemy has tried to lay upon our children oh rimasutuno karashi kelaker let's get a revelation let's get a revelation that this water is sufficient not just for us but for our children too this revelation is not just sufficient for us for our children too that what we drink they will drink too they will drink of this divine supply jordan will drink joshua will drink jonathan will drink georges all your children shall drink zoe shall drink zion shall drink everybody all your children all your children shall drink right now joshua shall drink joanna shall drink oh ramasiga all the all the parents all the children call their children by 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 that name right now right now right now my children shall drink of this revelation of great supply they will not go out in the streets to buy for themselves what the lord jesus can supply they will not go out to buy for themselves for what the lord will supply they will answer the question philip 
where shall we buy bread? And they will answer, Lord Jesus, you are the supply. You are the place that we will go to. Justed, bread shall drink of this cup. They shall drink of this cup of supply, of abundant supply that shall never cease, says the Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. This cup of blessing is for you and for your children. This supply is to be freely given. No price to be charged for anybody, both in your life and in your ministry. And take heed, says the Lord, labor not with the ox. Let him alone, for he will not rest until he has accomplished what he has planned for you. He will bring in your grain. He will bring in your harvest. He will bring in your supply and he will manifest his strength towards you, says the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, we thank you and we praise you. We glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.